Beyond the New, and welcome to the very first episode of Con Shon, the unofficial Versailles-related podcast. Every episode, I will be inviting on a special guest to help me take a deep dive into the hit Canal Plus, Netflix and BBC TV show, which will be celebrating its 10-year anniversary in 2024. I am your host, Philippe Duke d'Orléans himself, Alexander Vlahos. And conducting his own grand levier behind the scenes is my very own personal pocket bonton, producer Daniel John. And so, <clears throat> this week's guest goes by many names. Le Roi, the Sun King, Louis the Fourteenth, but I've always called him brother. Please welcome Mr. George Blackton. Hello, George! Woo! Hi! <laughs> Hi! How are you? My own fanfare. You did, uh, thank God. Because we, we can't afford the trumpets, mate, we can't. No, there's not going to be like some incredible stinging, stinging, stinger, stinging, stinger music. We'll put a sting in for you. Like that. Something right. like that? Or just okay? uh, Stuart going, The King! Oh, no, we'll, we'll, that would be brilliant, but I'm pretty sure we'd get sued. I think we're already on the cusp of potential <laughs> Canal yeah. Plus coming down on us. But how can they come down on us when it's uh, Philippe and, and Le Roy himself being on exactly. the podcast? Exactly. Quite I've started, right. uh, listen, this is all, this is all completely by plan. <laughs> Sure. How, how can they come after us if it's me and you? That's <laughs> yeah, episode one. Exactly. <laughs> um, um, thank are you, you for good? having me. Yeah, yeah. No, thanks, thanks for being here. So um, I want to start off with, can you believe it's been 10 years? 10 years next I year. Can you... I mean, no, I can't. It's absolutely <laughs> crazy. Um, yeah, we were just children, weren't we? I mean, yeah. <laughs> like amazing. You were you were twenty six, right? Twenty six. Yeah, yeah, twenty six. I was twenty four, and yeah. um, yeah, ten years. We were and... in charge of a thirty million euro show. <laughs> were yeah. they mad? Crazy. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, we did it. It's fine. We did. How did <laughs> you worked. find? How made. did you find your rewatch of episode one? Um. <laughs> it was pretty tricky. No, yeah. I, I'm not. Um, I've I've become better at watching myself. And that's good. Uh, on screen, uh, not just in life. Um, and, <laughs> just in the mirror. Uh, but yeah, just in the mirror. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was hard because, like, with hindsight, I mean, it was such a different experience to watching it. Probably the last time I watched Step One of Versailles was maybe when we finished filming. Right, so like, like season 20... three, like maybe I did a rewatch oh, wow. of everything, maybe, you know, like maybe six, six, seven years ago. Yes, yeah, so that's 2017, 2018 really, isn't it? Yeah. And um, even the difference from watching it from then till now, like is massively changed. Like what you, you know, you're, you're a completely different human being. You're a different mm -hmm. artist. You're like, you have completely different opinions of, so it's fascinating being able to, you know, watch work back that you did 10 years ago. I mean, I want to, that's, that's a really good segue into like, I want to bring you all the way back, even beyond filming, be, be, before filming, I want to bring you to the idea. So you were doing Vikings and yeah. talk to me, talk me through the process of you landing the audition and, uh, you know, and, uh, to that first day of filming, what was that like? Yeah. I mean, um, crazy uh like yeah like you said i was on vikings and um i always tell people that i had a weekend between the two and i'm pretty sure i did 
But in little chats just before we started when you were talking about rehearsals, I was going, well, yeah, I did rehearse with people. But I feel like I rehearsed with people on the Saturday and Sunday of that weekend. Oh, I, do you know I what? I literally, I literally did. had a weekend. I think I finished on Friday afternoon in Ireland on Vikings and I flew that night. And then we had like, I think we did a lot in two days. On that Saturday and Sunday, I think we, I did rehearsals with Jalil and a few of the actresses playing all your many many women yes um <laughs> and uh we had rehearsals but then we also went on like some sort of school trip didn't we to... yeah we went i think um i don't believe we actually started filming on a monday by the way that's where i think the whole right, thing so i'm talking a, a load of rubbish no 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 no, no i think you no, were no, right no, i think we didn't. did rehearse saturday sunday but i actually don't believe we started actually filming until like a wednesday or thursday in maze on the feet because they had to go and do a big get in and there were some costume things i remember that we never did a full okay. first week um and i and i do remember you turning up and with your leather jacket and your viking hair with your buzz cut and sort of goatee but um Talk to me about your audition, you know, like, because um, I, you know, I, I got cast in April before I went to New York to do Macbeth on Broadway. Um, I'm, so, I'm so sorry for being so pedantic. Right. <laughs> I was just like, you know, when you're at a laptop and someone's like, oh, I don't think we started rehearsing on Monday and I, I or filming on a Monday and I'm like. Well, I've got Did it here. You? I'm going to look on my emails. Call sh- I've, and I've never looked up this. I'm, you, I'm are, you so on, are, you, are you looking at the call sheet now? What, the very I've first one? Our Shall very I... first ever call sheet <gasps> on an email from Quentin Benoit. Oh my call God. sheet number one, Monday the 18th of oh, August 2014. Okay. All right, well, I'm just going to. Now, hang on. We might not be filming. No, but yeah, Maison Lafitte. Yeah. Okay. Maison Lafitte. Uh, do you know what it is? I'm not, I'm not trying do to you know what it is? you. I just no, literally no, you know did it, it out of interest. Do you know and what I've it never is? looked at it before. Go on. I, I didn't film on that Monday. Was I not called? Oh, yeah. You, I turned yeah. up on the Thursday. You'd already done three days of filming. We had. Yeah, we did all of the... Um, we basically Lisa, the You and Lisa and Marie Therese yeah. stuff, right? Yeah. That is bonkers. So be, of, of, that, that brings me back to actually what... We both Sorry. have a very... No, it's good. We, we both had a very different relationship with the show. We've talked about it recently in the last couple of months. Um, and yeah. even doing the, 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 the Me and My Idols convention in, in, in Paris, we, even though we were both the, the, the co-leads, we were both the spearheads of the show where season one was very much built around the brothers' relationship, we both orbited at the time in very different circles of of uh what am i trying to say different uh viewpoints of coming into the show didn't we like you in terms of you just coming straight off a job i was doing theater um we we just our approach to it were vastly yeah. different there was a gulf between us i think into just in terms of i guess headspace the whole thing right yeah totally i mean um yeah i i i and you talked about rewatching f1 you know i i i feel like i can see george just trying to like struggle with the idea that he's been given this opportunity and um you know j- like you know i'm being fully honest here like just um you know trying to find his way as uh, in, into this part and like knowing what i wanted to achieve creating like this very fractured fragile young man who needed his brother mm-hmm. desperately to help him um but also just um 
yeah, it, it was all very, very overwhelming to me. Um, I, and I can, I, I probably wouldn't have admitted that during filming of season one. Yeah. Like if you'd asked me, you know, I'd have been like, "No, I'm super in control." <laughs> like, no, yeah. I know exactly what. I, but you can just see it. You can just see the it's, like it's, it's the so, weight. Um, it's so odd that you say stuff like that because I always remember saying, I think to you, in about November time, we started filming in August. So around November time, we've had, we had many chats, obviously throughout the entire season one and, and beyond. But I remember in November time, I can remember very again, honestly, saying to you, "It has to be you." If it was me, and if I was if I was in your position, the show would have finished by now because I wouldn't have been able to handle the pressure. I don't think I was even handling the pressure as as being Philippe. So it's so uh, kind of refreshing to hear you say that. I mean, I mean, you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? But yeah. I always looked across the you know the the, the sound stages in Brisa Man, thinking that kid who's two years younger than me has got this all under control. Odd, isn't it? Well, that's you're being very sweet. Thank you. I mean, I and you know, I, I guess a part of me felt like I did. Um, but uh, I mean, oh god, there's so much to talk about, isn't there? Because yeah. now I want to start talking about like the feeling of, of the feeling of being out of control when you then end up watching the show a year later. Yeah, well, we'll get we'll that get day, to that. We'll come to that. Yeah, we'll come to that. We'll come to that. So, <laughs> um, um, so you, you you auditioned for Suzanne Smith, like we all did. Yes. Um, how did that yeah. go? It was, you know, interesting. Um, <laughs> I have not met uh, any actor who has not been terrified of her when they've auditioned for her, but she's sort of like your champion, isn't she? I mean, I know that she's cast you in a few She's cast me quite a lot, but she's, I, 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 I remember sending her flowers after Outlander because I, and I wrote on it, you're my lucky charm, because she's actually cast me in, if you think about like the seven top things that I've been in, she's cast me in four of them. Yeah, it's a really good ratio. <laughs> so but yeah, it's, it's great. It, like you know, yeah. a lot of people who've who, a lot of people have a relationship like that with a casting director. Yeah, you know, and that's the way it should be. You know, if someone's your champion, amazing. Like, um, but she wasn't it, yours, it, was she? <laughs> She definitely was not my no. My audition was like, uh, yeah, I came from Vikings. I had this big beard that I'd spent like over a year trying to grow because um, I was on this show called Vikings, and I needed it. And I had undercut, haircut, and um, I just didn't look anything like Louis the Fourteenth. And uh, yeah, like I did a couple of takes of the scenes, and she just like stopped. Like she turned the camera off. She was like, "This is awful. This is really, really bad. I don't think I can even send this." <laughs> and uh yeah i was just like okay um well let's try again i'll make it better and she just like <laughs> like really went in on me and tried to work hard with me at the end of the session she she said well i'm gonna send this but you know i'm a bit embarrassed too <laughs> and then <laughs> three days later my agent emailed saying you've been offered the role of louis and <clears throat> just crazy i mean jalil the first director of season one jalil lesper <clears throat> amazing first director of our show he he kind of said that there was something that i was doing that other people weren't which is always the way right whenever you get cast in something it's always because you're, yeah you're, you're doing not formulaic that... right you're not you're not doing the yeah. same thing that's written on paper you try something different you wear something different you make a different choice so that yeah. catches their eye um and yeah so it was it was you know the fact that um i think what they wanted to do with louis at the start of season one this kind of fragile boy king um you know i i could obviously 
do that very well in Suzanne Smith's office. <laughs> broken, <laughs> broken man. Um, yeah, but like, you know, a lot of other people auditioning probably didn't go down that route. And <clears throat> so, yeah, I was very... But th- that, that happened three weeks, I think, before we started filming. Yeah. And I literally got back on a plane and I had a couple couple weeks filming left of Vikings, knowing that suddenly in a couple of weeks, uh, my whole world was going to, you know, turn upside down. I was going to suddenly go from Ireland back to France. I'd been planning to go back to the UK. And, you know, it always is the way you'll know. Like, you come, you get into that last month phase on a job, even if it's theatre or film, and you're already thinking, I'm going to be unemployed in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And your whole brain starts, like, mourning. Like, the the loss of, you know... And particularly on that show for Viking, you know, I was three weeks, four weeks away from finishing the biggest job I'd had of my career at that time. Three years that had sort of catapulted me into some kind of limelight in some way, you know. Um, and I was thinking it's all going to come to an end in a few right. weeks. And yeah. and then just suddenly, as is the way in our industry, like you win the lottery. It feels like it anyway, doesn't it? Sometimes you just... Like, bang. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, you're going on, to Paris. On, maybe on pa- for three years. On, pa- on paper, it's... It's kind of like rock starry, isn't it? It's like almost like going from one tour to another, isn't it? it yeah. Be like you know, headlining one event and then suddenly you're headlining the next. Like you've like as if you've dropped two megastar albums off the back of it, and then they want to hear both of them, kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah. It was it was honestly crazy, and um, <clears throat> but you know, literally the best thing that's. <laughs> Don't say that, George. You're a father and you're married. You can't <laughs> say the best thing good ever. Good save, sir. Good save. No, but um, um, I mean, like, it, yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was crazy. Um, I think we should get into the actual episode, shall we? Yeah. Should we go into yeah. it? Yeah. Cause I feel like, uh, you know, the listeners want to get sort of uh, a breakdown, a rundown, our sort of behind the scenes little nuggets of things. So what I'm going to do, George, is I'm going to run you through little moments. I'm going to bring up some scenes and topics that I saw and uh, we can discuss them if there's something funny or some of them are just absolute absurd quirks that I've written down. Um, Amazing. Um, but yeah, so obviously I've written here, which is kind of, I, I've literally written, I, compl- I have completely forgot how this show started. <laughs> I, <laughs> when I, I watched was... it back. I was like Literally. the rain and the thunder and even even the you know the the, the subtext on over black that the font consider you know I considering this episode is the episode that I've seen the most considering yeah. that we did so many launches we did like three or four in Paris then we went to Washington and then we did New York and we saw that episode on that screen me and you specifically and we went to MIP in Cannes me and you yeah. have seen that episode especially episode one I think in that, in like, I've, I'm 10, 12, 14 times, absolutely. So when the black text came up at the start, so right. I was like, <laughs> yeah. what the hell is this show? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I'm completely the same. It started and I was like, wow, I have not a lot of memory of this. Why? <laughs> I've seen this, like, more than anything. I've, yeah, exactly what you said. Um, yeah. So crazy. Uh, yeah, and not, I just remember it starting, I remember thinking, and I've told people since, like, Oh yeah, it starts quite stylized, you know. It's quite st- <laughs> like, but it and it kind of does, doesn't it? Um, well, yeah, because so, I've written like because the dream sequence, which yeah. is very, I think it's it's a really bold choice to start, but it also doesn't make much sense looking back. Like, who's no. that girl? We understood her in the script as the nymph, right? She was written as a nymph in your dream, but also yeah, yeah. a visual representation of Versailles, right? I, th- I thought that was. 
the idea, was it not? Yeah. She squeezes an orange on you, you yeah. have a wet dream. <laughs> it's yeah. very odd. Yeah. I mean, it's, so, I mean, I, 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 could, I was like jaw on the floor when I watched that yesterday. <laughs> I was like, did we actually do that? Oh, my God. Um, uh, yeah, I, 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 I kind of remember them sort of saying, like, Jalil kind of wanting this sort of... He, the, the idea being that Louis has this vision in his sleep. Like, he has a dream about building this palace and that in some way, you know, she, the palace, would be like this perfect lover. I think is kind of what they were aiming for. Yeah. <laughs> um, You know, and Alexia, who plays the nymph, yeah. being the kind of epitome of, like... Beauty. Desire and... and yeah, yeah, and... um and her ref like being a personification of the palace in some way i i the i think you know it's um it's a confusing start to a series should we leave it, it there? is because also <laughs> I, it's confusing it's also bold it's that it yeah, doesn't yeah, yeah. it doesn't it doesn't pull away its punches but i do think and this is the thing i was watching i was like oh we've shown the hall of mirrors ready done mm. and i just thought oh now looking back hindsight i was like that's a huge misstep if the whole show is based about the construct of the building and yeah. it being Bluey's dream. Why have we given the game away in episode one? In That's scene a very good one? point. Do you know what I mean? That's a very good point. I was like, I oh, think... we've told everyone that what, what, what the plan is. <laughs> That's season yeah, three. I, <clears throat> you know? I feel like, uh, and tell me if you agree or not, but I feel like Jalil, Jalil was one of those directors that are amazing sometimes, but they're kind of like scrapbook collect, like, they're scrapbook yes. makers, I so they'll, they'll just like run at everything with a camera and, and just see what we get and we'll collect loads of stuff. And that Hall of Mirrors sequence felt like a bit like that. Like I remember we were at Versailles on a Monday <clears throat> and we had like 20 minutes left of the day. And also Simon Mirren was very keen on us doing this sort of sequence where Louis was alone in the Hall of Mirrors um, doing this speech because I was supposed to do the speech to to all of you in that that's how it starts, doesn't it? Yeah, or it comes yeah. back to that. Yeah. Uh where I'm presenting my idea of building this palace. But you know, what what ended up happening was we cut away to this kind of vision, I guess, that he's yeah. having whilst he's um and I think that was one of those ideas. It was like, Well, we've got twenty minutes, we've got George, he's in costume, let's throw up a steady cam and we'll do and we we literally got one take of me walking down the hall of mirrors on my own doing that speech. Yeah. Um, right at the end of the day in the sunset as well <clears throat> and came flooding in through the through the window. So it was kind of this perfect moment that I imagine when you get into editing the episode, you feel like, well, we need to put that in somewhere. Let's let, let's, you know, like yeah. we, it would be a shame to not put that in, even if it's slightly... Um, well, I guess that's kind of going... It's kind of my, my over... over, over My overview, I think, of the whole episode is that, God, they tried to cram a lot in. I would, that yeah, I was agree. Like, there's so many subplot I... points and plot points that I was like, this is not necessary right now. <laughs> Why? Just I focus remember, on like two or yeah. three strong ones and not ten, you know? I, when I was watching it yesterday, I was thinking, I, I thought this scene was from Ep 4 or like Ep 3. I, I, there were scenes that I was watching that I remembered right. and thinking, we, we didn't, that was not Ep, that wasn't Ep 1. What? I yeah. couldn't believe how much they did in that first hour or whatever yeah. it is 50 minutes even um there was a lot and a lot for a viewer to take on like yeah. all of the subplots the but but i mean 
that's what happens when you have an ensemble show, right? Which it yeah is is what it you know it's what it is. Um, you kind of want to bring all of these characters in and. I yeah, just think sometimes it was maybe it? just a little bit, like one or two, too many. Do you know what I mean? You can introduce those characters a little bit later, as long as you, I know. I understand the reasoning yeah. behind it. Obviously, being a writer now and a director, I completely get it. Like, let's just throw everything at it and see what sticks. But there's sometimes I was there was one point I was like I felt like the end the episode had ended and I was only twenty minutes in because <laughs> I'd learned so much. I was like this this, this must be the end. Having known, knowing, knowing that it isn't, but I was just like, there is. I've been introduced to Louvois, Colbert, Chevalier, Philippe, Claudine, yeah. Masson, yeah. Uh, uh, Marie Therese, uh, Fabian, Bontemps. I was like, good God, calm down. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah, don't yeah. need to see every single one of us. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, it's, also, um, also, just a very quick, uh, funny note. Um, the, we all say Fabian, don't we? That's what he became, Fabian. Right? Yeah. And the, the first time he's ever pronounced is Fabian. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's one of the guard, guards. Isn't it? Yeah, it's did the, you notice that? <laughs> he's a brilliant, like French actor who played one of those lead guards. He, he was like, Fabian is moving to quote. <laughs> That's it, Fabian. Yeah. <laughs> and that was like, and that was like, holy crap! Who? We didn't even, a, we didn't even ADR that. That was that stayed in. <laughs> I was the first thing I remember. I just laughed, and even Julie, my wife, she was like, "Did I just hear him?" And I was like, "Yes, hundred <laughs> percent." Yeah. Yeah, uh, he he. I mean, that was it. Shocked me as well. I remember one of the main things, the comments that I got from people when it came out was that that Fabian is like really violent, isn't he? I couldn't. I, I don't want to watch any more of that series. And I was like, what are you talking about? And then I watched it yesterday, and I was I was like, oh yeah. I, I mean, yeah. That's I, that's all he does in that one. It's just I've written down. I've written down as much later on. That Julie told me that she stopped watching at Versailles after episode two because every time Fabian Steens came on, she wrote, she said that she would go nope and she'd walk out. So it did wow. naturally have an effect. And Julie's French, you know. Yeah. <laughs> she literally was like, nope, this, this isn't for me. So you know, again, adding to the mix of what episode one and two were like. Yeah. Maybe we maybe we did go to sixth gear when we could have stayed at four early on. You know. Yeah. Just that classic case of like when you're making something you don't really maybe have a great understanding of the effect it's going to have or knowing right. the audience you don't know who's because yeah. we never they simon and david never wanted us to think of this as a period drama did they that's where they were it no. was never costume drama it's not downton abbey it's not these things we were making a they called it a precinct drama for size but the precinct and we were all characters in it they were really trying to push the boundaries of how we shot stuff how we talked the script was always trying to get it away from it being this fuddy-duddy costume drama. Yeah. But maybe we, you know, maybe we went too far. There's a couple of moments in this episode where I definitely think we did, in, you know, and I can say that with having been in especially one of those scenes. But we'll get to that later. We'll get to that yeah, later. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, I wanted to talk very quickly about um, <clears throat> the wonderful Anatole Tobman, Moncourt. Oh, yes. What was... Um, what was what was Anatole like to work with? What a joy! Um, yeah. uh, I mean, I'd I was going to say I'd not worked with anyone like him before. I mean, mm. I think that's probably that's accurate. He's just one of those um, incredible artists who like is not affected or um, distilled by anyone else on a set. So he comes with like his own, 
like his own unique energy and yeah. that's 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 what you get <clears throat> and um i mean that as a massive compliment because it's so easy when you're doing a tv show as well to um get into this kind of communal rhythm or like mm-hmm. you know you're you're going okay how are we going to you know play this game okay that's how we're going to play the game cool and everyone settles into a sort of similar similar rhythm similar yeah. and he's just one of those classic examples of an actor it's like like impact player you know super eccentric as well super really? eccentric like, the stories so eccentric. and the, like you said the energy you're right really much about the energy i always want i always tell this story i always tell this story to people about anatole was that I think uh, he used to call you my king, and he's an amazing voice. And he'd call me his prince, my prince, my king. Yeah. Um, I got this great story about him told to him, and he was, I was walking past his dressing room in Brisaman, the studios. We used to have our own little rooms, lodge. And um, I was walking past, and um, he's, we weren't allowed to sleep with our wicks on because they were very expensive. Um, and if we did sleep, we'd have to sleep sort of sat upright like a horse. <laughs> Do you remember? Like, if we could, we'd I have to manage ourselves. Um, and um, Anatole, I remember the door being wide open, and Anatole was almost like upside down on his sofa, fast asleep, with his wig sort of crossed over his face, and the clips are off, and he's just—he doesn't give a fuck, right? He doesn't. Yeah. And um, and he wakes up and he sees me. He goes, ah, 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 my princess, my baby, baby boy, baby prince. Where do I find the Stutzi? And I'm looking at him like. What the hell are you talking about? This is like week three. <laughs> the Stutzi, where do I find the Stutzi? And I was like, what do you mean? And he kept doing the sort of, you know, the money sign, like rubbing his hand, rubbing his fingers and his forefingers together and his thumb like money. And I was like, oh, you mean per diem? And he was like, yes, where do I find the Stutzi? And I was like, oh, the finance office is on the third floor. He was like, thank you, my baby prince. And that was my first proper memory of Anatole. Turner. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing podium for anyone who doesn't know is like the well everyone will know but it's <clears throat> it's like weekly monthly cash allowance that they give you to like living expenses isn't it yeah uh, yeah and they um, usually like you know your fees for the work go into your bank account and then you get like a little like a little little thing to pay for food a little little exactly little side little, as soon as it comes in a brown paper envelope with your name on it you have to yeah. sign for it it's like christmas because it's <coughs> like yeah. you know physical form yeah yeah um, um bless you. yes he anatole sends me a message a voice note i hope you won't mind me saying on my birthday every you year. said this to me recently i said I, yeah when we were at the convention in, in may um mm. he sends me an audio note every year on my birthday just to say happy birthday but they end up being like seven and a half minute <laughs> eulogies and they're <laughs> how are you how is the Stutzi, the family son? Uh, like, they're just, uh, like, it's amazing. Like, and I've got Anatole, Ta- I'm not, I'm not joking. If, if we were on a camera now, I'd pick you up and take you into the kitchen and show you. I've got like a wall that's like a blackboard wall that you can mm-hmm. write on with chalk in our kitchen. Mm-hmm. And it's covered in Anatole Talbman quotes from these voice notes that he sends every year. Last year's is up there now. And it, it um, it's in quote marks and it says um hang on let me just get it right it says life is not about waiting for the storm to pass it's about learning to dance in the rain <laughs> and i've written underneath it anatole talbot it's just like it's it's amazing and i get a quote every year from him in this eight minute audio note that he sends and i love it it's like 
And we've never seen each other since the filming. <laughs> we've never spoken on the phone other than these audio notes that we share once a year. Do you think he has Bless an alarm him. set to remind you to remind him of his your if it's your birthday? I, do I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't put it past Christmas. Him. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah. Bless him. Um, oh, that's so good. That's so good. Right, let's move on. I wanted to get to. Um, I know it's not about you, but um, the famous blowjob scene that we we see. Um, Philippe and Chevalier. Um, only oh, just because yeah. I wanted to touch on the fact that I've got a funny anecdote about it. Was basically I was watching this episode, um, not when it aired, but I was with my ex's family. Um, she was Swedish, and I was um, over there for Christmas, and they really wanted to watch Versailles, and it was on yeah. C-SPAN or something. So I we started sat down, and I thought, I'm trying to think in my head, like. There's not much sex scenes for me in episode one. Completely <laughs> forgetting about the blowjob scene. And I'm sat next to her dad, and my eye went white as a ghost. Oh my god! I compl- I just I thought, why is it? I was thinking. I thought, I put myself in this situation. Yeah. <laughs> I sat down next to him, going, "I'm trying I'm to impress the I'm really... in law here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> stupid, stupid. Anyway, um, so uh, but that's your first appearance, isn't it? Yeah, the blowjob, yeah. And I, I'm it, talking about Jaleel. I feel talking like about, it is. No, yeah. it's my first no, it Yeah, because it was a yeah. visual gag. They wanted it to feel like that the Chevalier was the monsieur. And then you, yeah. and you believe that it's going to be, that it's a girl giving him head and actually it turns out to be a man yeah. and a, you know, shock factor sort of thing. But um, yeah. Yeah. And I remember Jaleel giving me not an acting note, but it was like, uh, when you were, um, when you were sucking the penis, huh? you were, you're going too fast. <laughs> Like that is that is a note that I never thought I'd receive. As that an is actor. amazing. Yeah, first scene of you in this new show. <laughs> <laughs> the director, you're like expecting like really intense character like notes about like and just yeah, your head's just moving too fast. <laughs> Um, there's a quote coming up after this, after that scene, which is the power lies with you, believe it. And they really do set that up. Mm. Well, like we, I know we sort of, maybe sometimes this sounds like we might be um, shitting on our own show, but we're not because actually that whole very first scene, the storm sequence going into that and me and you arriving and having that sort of quick, me sort of bigging you up and then you sort of disregarding my, uh, support and going, I'm actually fine. You, you didn't need to be here. It's kind of season one in a heartbeat, isn't it? Totally. I'll, use, I'll use Philippe yeah, when, I was, when I need him. Um, so yeah, yeah, brother versus brother. Yeah, no, I, re- I really, I thought that exact same thing when I was watching it, thinking, um, <laughs> I can't believe I'm admitting this, but like at the time, sort of not uh, maybe getting it as much as I do now. Like, dude, as, as I've in... written, dude, I've written exactly the same thing because I've written, no I don't think I knew how much detail they were going to go, that they were going to run with that. In episode, yeah. We had episode one and two script. I had no idea that that was what season one was going to be based on. I hadn't. I just thought yeah. we didn't know anything really. If you think about it, we had no idea. They didn't really tell us much. But in, no. when we were filming those two episodes, saying. I had yeah. no idea that that it would just become, especially season one, that we were going to be the yin and yang to each other. You know? Yeah, it was really sort of like, yeah, like a perfect, like clean little nugget of what our relationship would be for episodes and episodes after and i think we like you know especially when you start a new job you're just playing moment to moment you haven't it's not like a film that you sign on to where you've got the whole script beginning to end yeah you're just setting off with a story and these characters and you're trying to find them and so you just you do play moment to moment and i think that's what we were were doing but like watching it back especially now like 10 years on Mm -hmm. 
you're just like wow that was really a succinct summary of yeah like in, if they you know if, even if they just showed that scene to people in you know in, a, in an audience without going in blind you could kind of get okay this is what this is this is what the show's about kind of dark you know gloomy and these two yeah. sort of very powerful men in agreement with each other but one is clearly much more powerful you know it's very good yeah very good um uh really good. i want to talk about <laughs> the the opening titles and the song oh yeah. because i do feel like it is it makes the show in a way m83 outro yeah um and do you remember the first time you saw it? I remember David and Simon pulling me aside about oh, towards the end of season one and showing me it. The, not the song, but the titles. I remember seeing the titles before we wrapped. I don't think I did, you know. Right. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I feel like I saw it at MIP. Yeah, I, so we, we sat, we sat down on episode one. We saw yeah. it on a laptop. Remember before they a showed laptop. it on the big screen? I will in, in honestly, a, in a t- never forget that, mate. I, I, <laughs> like, they, showed it, they shoved us into this tiny room in this hotel in Cannes, and they knew that we were about to watch on a big screen and ask and the people ask us questions. But we, they, I think we you brilliantly. I think it was. I think it, it was you, buddy. I think you brilliantly about literally about two and a half hours before we were due to go into the big. What's it called? I mean, the massive cinema the massive on the edge cinema, of the yeah. seafront in Cannes. Um, you were like, well, we're going to do a panel and we've not seen the app. Have you got the app for us to watch? And they were like, well, we I guess you could see it on a laptop. And you were like, yeah, great. Come on, let's go upstairs to a hotel room. Um, it was the best thing we could have done, to be honest. Because, I mean, imagine yeah. watching that. Well, can imagine, like, I'd not well, even thought about that. Being sat in the audience and, and having to discover the show with people you know but also they're not they're not media people they're they're business guys mip MIP is a business market you know it wasn't we weren't sat with reviewers or fans it was literally the coldest audience you could have played that thing to they were literally going is this something that we want to acquire (laughs) it's like literally yeah you know crazy but the the song and the titles they, they, they are brilliant aren't they yeah i mean i remember right at the end of filming of Season one, there. I want to say it's M eighty. Maybe it's not M eighty three, but there yeah, was like M eighty three outro. Yes, but there was another song. We were like oh. filming just the final. Oh no, I, I thought it was one. Woodkid. Run boy, run. Was that not that, one of the yes, options? Sorry, so yeah, that's Simon exactly. Yeah, yeah, he became obsessed with the song. It was like this is the song of the show. Uh, Woodkid, run boy, run. And remember thinking that's really good. like because I mean it's not like M eighty three outro. Um, but the kind of electronic, like, upbeat thing, I don't think I'd had any idea. Maybe in my head I was like, maybe they're going to score this with, like, a string quartet. Yeah, <laughs> um, which again goes back to the point of it being very much period drama. We thought it was going to go down that yeah. route, and they, they completely, thank God, Simon and David saw a version of it that was basically modern, right? Modern? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's the credit sequence so cool. I mean... It's really original and, you know, um, yeah, like not what you would expect for a period drama, you know? Yeah. Um, In terms of the whole episode, I've got this comment about dialogue, right? Um, And I've written, it's obvious that none of us quite know what we're doing. (laughs) And I mean that in regards to our characters. 
when I see Stuart right. talk and I see Ty talk and Ev and me, and I just look at where we got to in even by the end of season one into two, yeah. how much more comfortable we were with who we knew, how we how we spoke, our mannerisms, the way we walked around the set. Did, did that did that resonate? Does that resonate to you? Do you understand? Did you, did you feel like that? Like you're just looking at people going, you have no idea who you're playing yet, do you? Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, but, <clears throat> and I promise you, this is not like a. Oh, I'm blowing smoke up the bottom of the person I'm talking to. But I, genuinely, I feel like the King's Circle, so like me and Ty and Stuart, and whenever we were in that zone, it, it felt like, I don't think they'll mind me saying this, but as actors, we were just a bit at sea. Or not at right. sea, but just we, there wasn't as much clarity as when I saw scenes between like you and Evan. Um, like from the get-go. And, and as whatever, you know... Um, you can say whatever you want about that opening scene with you and him with the blowjob. Mm. But, like, it's clear. It's really clear who you are as people, like, what your intentions are. Um, <clears throat> and a lot of that is yours and Evan's brilliant work. But it's also, the, the, you know, the characters were, like, clear. Um, and they weren't forming. It feels like the other characters are, f like, in formation. Like the, yeah, like, building the formation up to of figuring out. Is, yeah, yeah, I mean, the vision of Ty... In season two, Fabian in season two is much more uh, the person that we come to remember of Ty. I still feel like moments in this episode that he's. I still I see moments of Ty rather than Fabian. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah just yeah. moment totally. like a thing. Um, but that's really. Thank you for that for saying that. But I, I I still see moments where it just feels it feels like a pilot, doesn't it? It just feels yeah. like a pilot. There's moments well, you just go, "Ooh, we wouldn't have done that now," you know, like. Yeah. When I, I, a few people have asked about, like, you know, um, when I've told people, I've, I've, I've brought up this thing of subtext being a, like, and, you know, when we ended up seeing the result of episode one, like, in, at MIP on that laptop, I remember this, like, wow, that did not come across in the way I thought it would be. This is not what I thought it would be. Right. And I spent probably the next couple of years on the show whilst working on the show trying to work out why that was and going oh. like as in of all the things that I've done as an actor that first ep watching of Versailles in comparison to like the the difference between what I felt like I was doing or what we were doing on set and the result that I saw was the biggest difference of any project I've ever done right. and um, I think it's to do with subtext and like Jalil I think had a, an English sensibility. Um, usually, when you watch an English drama, uh, if you sit and watch a BBC procedural drama, you know you were saying it's like a precinct drama. This mm -hmm. um, seventy percent of the characters that you're watching will not be talking. Like if you sit with a stopwatch and time how long in an hour episode you spend, where the cut. Like the the screen yeah. is on and a character's face listening as opposed to yeah. talking, it will be way over like seventy percent because mm -hmm. in America and in the UK we're obsessed with subtext. Like, you know, The Sopranos, big HBO shows are built, and British drama we like to delve into subtext. So they mm -hmm. hired English writers for Versailles, and I feel like Simon and David wrote quite a lot of subtext and you know subplots with messages being passed and looks between people and characters that happen in moments of listening. And I feel like when when you say that Ep1 feels like a pilot, I what I see is um 
it being edited by someone who doesn't speak English. Yeah, no, I'm so I, sorry. No, no, I, I think she was no, called Sarah, I, our lovely I, French editor. And, I, and I, like, I, the, it literally com- goes, this character's talking, so we're going to keep the shot I on completely that agree. It, it's, And then this it's, character's it's, talking, so we're going to... And It's formulaic. Um, it's formulaic. It, it, it follows a, a very simple... There's, there's no massive change in the edit. It feels quite... Um, uh, samey? And that, but I, but I totally yeah. get it. You're following, you're following the person talking rather than the person listening. You want to be on. If Louis's talking, you want to be on Bontom and Fabien, knowing how yeah. you're going to play this, not on just the close-up of you saying your whole speech or vice versa. You know exactly. And 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 I think you know within a like, I, I, if I'm unkind, I'd say by the time we got to season two, and if I'm being kind, you know, by the end of season one, we'd found our way as a yeah. creative team to go okay. But like in those first couple of episodes. You know, it was just like this clash of cultures. Like French storytelling is so different to like how we want to do this kind of story in in the UK. I mean, Jalil was making me watch Al Pacino in The Godfather, and I was going to do boxing and stuff. And like, <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like, I was, I, I remember calling people in that first block, filming at one and two, being like, guys, I. Better get the champagne ready because I'm I am doing freaking BAFTA winning work, you guys. I'm not joking. Like I'm literally, I am literally Al Pacino. I wanted uh, to talk to you <laughs> about that aspect because I've always talked about with me that because not much was written about Philippe and the directors that came on, especially in season one, didn't really care much for him in terms of him being a historical figure and him and me being stuck with what someone did in the past or whatever or interpretations or books or anything i was kind of left to my own devices for 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 right and for worse you know for better or for worse i was i went down a path sometimes on in certain scenes and no one really pulled me up on it so the next time we came to do a a scene similar to it i went further down and there's some moments in season one where i go oh i shouldn't have gone that far with him or that way you on the other hand had we had four different directors we had jaleel uh, Thomas Van Sant, uh, Daniel Roby, and Christoph Shrew. Each of those directors are very strong opinions, opinionated directors. Um, and they came to you every time because they've been watching the rushes. They, they pulled you in different directions every time. Did you feel that? A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, there were, you know, uh, people have told me not to say this, but there are absolutely four completely different versions of Louis in season one. And yeah. I, I hold my hand up. To basically be like, you know, thirty-three-year-old experienced George as an actor now would not let that happen. But yeah. I was twenty-four. I hadn't got a clue in term like in terms of, you know, playing that kind of character over that many episodes of how to sustain that. And they were very, very strong personalities. All of our directors. So someone new would come in and be like, "Listen, what you were doing with that last person." It doesn't work for me, so we're going to do this. And, you know, I did. I just went, okay, yeah, like that sounds fun. Like, let's try something else. And, you know, you feel brave in the moment for doing it. But then in re- in reflection, you think, yeah, I was just kind of... I went in lots of different directions there. And It's interesting what you say about Philippe. Like, um, there's another argument. in. The, I know it, it must have felt like people didn't care for it. But the other way of looking at it is that people just went... Phew, we do not need to worry about him because he's fucking smashing it out of the park. Like, I, 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 I mean, you're now a freaking award-winning director, so you'll know this more than me. Like, you've directed actors. You must have been on sets as a director where you're like, that guy's killing it. I literally don't need to go and talk to him after shots because 
he's just he's smashing it, right? Yeah, no, you, that must be yeah, you, part I think, of it, right? Look, but again, you just, you just talked about thirty-three-year-old George looking back, and I can I can look back now and think of different. Uh, I think and think like that. I think oh, I I can look back with a, with maybe rose-tinted glasses and go oh, they cast me because they saw my instinct and they let my instinct be free, which is such a rewarding right, yeah. thing, you know. Yeah. But actually, at the time, being twenty-six, I'm really we've talked about this privately but i really needed guidance yeah i really was living a rock star life you know i was i was being complacent i wasn't really learning my lines i was going out the night before and not falling not going to sleep and turning up in a taxi you know and and you know i was i was living a philippe life if you think about it i was enjoying the paradise you know party style of paris and i really wish someone would have pulled me aside and said no, that was not very good. You have bloodshot eyes. You haven't been asleep. You have scripts off the park. I think, I know, because it would have, it maybe would have given me a bit of a, a kick up the ass. But because I just, this is what I mean to say when I sort of felt like I was getting away with it. Because it genuinely felt mm. like I'd go through a day, I sort of just took a punt in a scene. People never really said that and that didn't feel right. Go further, go further with that. Go further with that kiss. Go further with that slap on that naked guy's ass. Go further with, you know, um, punching out. Like, do these, go further. And I just thought, yeah. well, I'm not really, I don't feel in a safe area. I don't feel safe in an environment. And I'm taking these risks. No one's pulling me back. It just, it caused, in my head, a sort of snowball effect. So by the time he yeah. came to the end of season one, I was completely in, I was fully in Philippe and nothing about Alex. You know, when yeah. I came back to London after moving out of Paris in season one, because we didn't know if we were going to come back, I was completely still acting like Philippe at home. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. Wow. That's, it's so fascinating. Yeah, but I, I, I can imagine how that would happen. Like, you know, you're, you're, when you're, there are no checks and boundaries on what you're doing. You just go... Shall I push it a bit further today? Yeah, go away with that. Well, I'll push it a bit further. You know, yeah, yeah cool. we're not talking about it being like you know Jim Carrey's. You know, when he was when he was playing um, Andy Kaufman, where he was just you know taking the piss. I was I wasn't trying to get fired. It was just I think no, no. I just meant that like is in yeah, acting in an acting well, sense, but also you know, but like, then it bled over into you know social aspects and you know yeah. just feeling like. And also, this goes back to me looking across the room and seeing, well, that guy's got everything under control in terms of. It just, isn't I mean, it weird how we so were both fascinating to say that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like because you know, I I think the point you were going on to make was that because you're you're playing Louis, like people, everyone had an opinion on him, all of the crew, and so by the time we got into halfway through season one, like I'd had a couple of months of like everyone telling me that what I was doing was wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't mean in that like a oh boohoo woes. I just mean like that. Uh, it was the opposite thing to you right as like there's yeah. so many aspects of our experience on the show that were opposites which Complete is the opposites, beautiful yeah. poetry of it but um but like i remember like i remember ep one of christoph's ep i think ep five we had a scene out in the car park <laughs> which was supposed to be like the war yeah the war zone and it was mm-hmm. in a tent and um i remember evan uh i i basically had yeah like a kind of breakdown not 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 a breakdown but we finished filming the day and i went back into the hair truck to get my wig off and i just started sobbing uncontrollably mm-hmm. and I, I i still to this day can't explain why or you know yeah. that whole thing of like this guy who's trying to hang on to control and you say that you were looking across the set and this guy's in control but and i remember like either that day just after that or the day after evan came and saw me and, and was like dude are you okay because there were lots of people worried, like, 
and I don't know if he meant other cast or if he meant producers or, you know, right. I, but, but he, he, he had a one-on-one -on -one with me that was like, people are worried. And, and he would be fair to him. <clears throat> I'd love to say that like Evan just came and was like, how are you doing, George? Like, I'm really worried that you're worried, but it was much more of like a business thing. Which you wouldn't expect from Evan, would you? Like, <laughs> no. Uh, now that I know, like, yeah. But it really was like a kind of, dude, are you okay? Because there's a lot of people's jobs at risk. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> you know what, what I mean. Like, I get it now. I, it yeah, wasn't like that a, blunt. Like, no, yeah, but, but, totally, but it was, he was like, like, don't fuck this up for everyone. Everyone's <laughs> everyone's really worried about you because if because if you don't get this like you know, you and, get this um, right, we don't get a second season, pal. What <laughs> it, it, it wasn't like that. It was just no, like know. you know, if you don't come into work. That, you know, or if you do have a freaking men mental breakdown, like it looks like you're having, uh, then you know, yeah, you know, get get your shit together, kind of thing. Um, which was, yeah, I remember that moment being like, oh yeah, okay, I've really got to do something about just letting go of everything that people are saying about Louis. You know, letting go of <clears throat> he wouldn't do that, he wouldn't walk like that, he wouldn't sit down like that, he wouldn't address someone like that, he wouldn't just like kind of to like let all of that go and just start making my own version of him. Yeah. Um, um, talking about we're still you know, on that one. <laughs> yeah, I know. But talking about it's all good. <laughs> talking about um, these that other cast members. Then I just wanted to give you a couple of names, um, and I'd love for you to tell me just a little bit about them. Like in terms of your relationship, it doesn't have to be episode one. But um, first of all, uh, Stuart Bowman, Bon Tom, um, you had a very close working relation because he had to follow you everywhere. How is it with working with Stuart? Yeah, I mean, yeah, just completely art image no life imitating art um you know like for those first couple of episodes we spent most of our working day together wherever louis went bonton followed and so of course the same applied to george and stuart mm -hmm. and um i i really me and him haven't had a proper sit down to talk about it I, i've said thank you on a number of occasions in a kind of like half asked attempt at trying to thank him for what he did what Stuart did for George 24 year old George at that time but it really was like a huge thing you know like he really mentored me and really like was a shoulder for me to lean on and just a, the most amazing generous guy um you know just so giving and you think now like if someone else other than Stuart was in that role like how different it would have been every role actually you think that yeah. of Versailles you you try and imagine another actor that you might have worked with on something else or in that role and well that's a that's a good like, segue can we no. imagine a different run dog can we imagine a different Ty Runyon as Fabian I mean so many there's so many other wor <laughs> worse versions of Fabian do you know what I mean like if you think of like what he did with that character was so unique yeah. and so you you can see a split second of him inhabiting that character in this show and you go that's fabian from versailles yeah. you yeah. know it's completely 100 percent so... from from boots to wig he was he yeah. had that little journal didn't he with him and he had these and he was you know studying all these sort of techniques and um i remember being really fucking intimidated by him in the read-through i remember being i think i was sat next to him and i just thought you are a I, he, he felt like a man does that make sense to you i totally. sat next to yeah. a man and i was this yeah, yeah. boy and i was like had it was just so strange 
Yeah. No, he, but he was all, he's also just so gentle. You know, like he not <clears throat> he's not um I can understand why you're intimidated by him, but like he's a gentle. I remember him being quite gentle on season 1 as well, but the I mean I mean Stuart were infuriated with him one day, I remember, because he he did I think you alluded to it a little bit that he didn't like to really talk to anyone about his process or Yeah. the like he was very private. So, you know, and we'd come from a theatrical background certainly me you and Stuart and so mm -hmm. when we approached a scene we were like okay how do we make this cake together what are yeah. the ingredients yeah let's work it out but he was very much not like that in season one at all um he was like well no I'm not going to talk about my process and like what we're going to achieve in this scene I remember that you know, with him not he in a confrontational way no it was he, would, like, he was it was he like was, that American he, or Canadian you know he was fighting process. for his character yeah so he would yeah. fight very strongly about where he needed to be in the room to, for it to make sense to him, not for it to make the scene quicker to film or, you know, not saying that he wasn't a team player, but especially in those first couple of episodes, because we, like I said, we were all finding our feet. Ty very much was like, it's me or nothing. I'm doing this for, for, for the right of my character, right? Yeah. Yeah, totally. He was, um, yeah, he was such a champion for that world, you know. And it's really, you, you see, it pays off on screen. Like, the whole of Ep 1. Whenever we go back to Fabian's world, it's, like, viscerally different to anything else we're seeing in that episode, isn't yeah. it? It's like I mean, the brothel in... scene. The brothel scene in Episode 1, the hand being chopped off. Like, that yeah. was when I thought, fuck, I've forgotten how bloody this show is. It's, like, yeah, it's yeah. beautiful, but it's it's still f horrific. Graphic, yeah. Yeah. Um, just be the last person I wanted to bring up, just uh, um, in terms of uh, people in Episode 1 that, clearly have a long-standing relationship with Louis, was um, Gilly Gilchrist, Jack the Gardener. Oh, yeah. Because he's clearly an in for the audience. He's so compelling in the role. And, you know, that speech that he has, which is, may your dreams be full of wonder, sire. You know, that... Yeah. As a, yeah. As a father, you being a dad, and me yeah. about to be a dad, does, watching that scene, did it, did it resonate with you differently now? Um... The fact so that, you, that he says you relive your childhood before before becoming a dad. Did any of those, you know, that Gilly, you know, the Jacques Louis father, because he becomes the father figure that, that Louis doesn't have, doesn't he, in, in the show? He goes to him for those parental advices, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I mean, yes, I think it's so funny you say that, I, I, because I think what we... I, I, I I remember viscerally that um, Jacques the Gardener kind of represented Louis's father's world, Louis the Thirteenth. So there was always this like kind of I guess yeah father and son in some ways, but it was confrontational always with Jacques. Always not not no I've got that wrong. It wasn't always confrontational, but it was like chatting to your dad. Yeah, I guess you're right, yeah. I mean, I never thought of it as like a father-son relationship. I always thought of it as like, you represent my dad's world, so mm. um, I sort of need like to control resentment. you. There's a the resentment towards him as well, isn't it? Like, kind of, yeah. But also a, a deep understanding because he, yeah. Louis never fought in a war. He's never, he's been no. um, kind of, uh, you know, kept in bubble wrap a little bit. So he's, yeah, he's speaking to this, you know, speaking to this man that has... <laughs> fought yeah. lost an arm and now he's suddenly you know planting <laughs> orange trees in, in, in yeah. the garden you know but um 
Yeah. Okay. So um, just going to move quickly ahead to the line, the, the scene that made me smile actually from ear to ear was the you haven't seen the shoes to the whole come and get it scene you know that um mm-hmm. moving the chess piece between the two yes yeah. um because i i watched that scene last night when we we're doing the rewatch and i yeah i had this i don't know i was i was really proud of us that's such a weird feeling to think of when you're watching yourself because it's not like ego thing but i was watching that scene and how i was seeing two baby-faced kids navigate what was actually quite a complex layered scene about brothers and toing and froing i mean we it gets into it later on in like episode five with the porridge scene there's a continuous theme of louis always being able to pull the i'm the king card yeah how much do you remember of that day how much when you watched that scene did anything sort of come flooding back to you i remember feeling like we had a lot of time in comparison to other scenes we did in that ep or that first block, <clears throat> I remember feeling like we were in that war room on that scene um, for longer. Maybe it was just that it was so enjoyable that it was like, you know, a moment in time. Um, yeah. But I felt like we, you know, and this is, you know, awful to say, but you don't often get the opportunity to... Um, work on a scene like you know in a show like versailles it's like I right think... we're doing this scene everyone stand here we're gonna roll go <laughs> yeah, i think sometimes. you're right though, but that scene no, I, I, think... felt, I feel like we really chatted about it a lot in the moment i think you're right but i really i really do think you're right because i think actually i think that was it was t- towards the end of the block i very much remember that and i remember that there was a great importance from yeah. simon and david about that scene needing to work and i do think that they might they might have just given us not the whole day but i do believe we started the day with it and they sort of moved scenes around i think we just yeah. I think we, we, i think they gave us the creative space to navigate it because it was it, i've written down it looks like a dance because I, I remember it being yeah camera tricky with the placement of maneuver and picking up the piece and also the window scene and i just remember it being feeling like we were i was like when i picked the piece up we were me and you were it was probably the first time i really remember properly collaborating in that room because that was never my room that war room was never my space i didn't quite understand the table i was like what the fuck's going on do you know yeah well aside from the the cliff scene earlier on in the app yeah um that's really only our our big scene together in Ep One, I think. The, the, yeah. Or, you know, after you come find me in the woods, I think that's the next time we, we see, see each other. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I I really try and watch the app objectively. I think of it as a viewer, and I think probably that's the moment if you're watching where you go, ah, this this feels like maybe the heart the heart of their their show anyway i mean not the heart of the show because it is an ensemble piece but like you know okay this is this is what we're going to be following over the next few hours do you know what i mean i, what, that was the I do where... but i also it's i don't know whether it was <laughs> kind of genius from david and simon and cold and Ord to not tell us that I, mm. I i i look back on it now and i and it's just common practice that i that the brothers were the show we went you know after the season came out and then they went to ovation in america netflix we we mean you were the front people of the press junkets of everything and right. yeah. that was the selling point right it was we were told you sell the brothers relationship right mm. 
But I don't ever really remember that being the case during Jaleel or even Christoph's scene episodes. You know, when you, I, I never really, no one, ever, <laughs> okay, I've got to the point now. No one ever sat me and you down and said, it's all about you two. <laughs> but right, I know you went yeah. on, so, you know, I never really felt the weight of the main storyline, a storyline being Louis and Philippe at loggerheads together. Do you know? Yeah. No, I agree with you, but also that is the kind of that's the golden thing about television drama. <clears throat> like in Vikings, my character was supposed to die in ep four of season one. And the beauty of making television is that you set off making it and within the first few hours of the the season one, you're discovering like, ah, oh, okay, this is what our show is. That's like that really works. Those characters work, those don't. If you're on a show like Vikings or Versailles, suddenly people get killed. <laughs> Characters get killed that aren't they working. Do. We'll you talk can about do that. that. We'll with... talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, you you can do that with TV uh, as opposed to film. You can literally um, mold and change the show as you go. And uh, so I don't think they knew. You know, like yeah. no one, no, no one really knows when you're making it one of a TV show. Like, what are we about to do? You have an idea, yeah. I guess, but then, and and it can often be. You know, I, I this really isn't like I. I mean, I would love it to be the I love Alexander Vlahos hour because <laughs> I do. But Me too. like, I mean, genuinely, like, um, <laughs> like you know, you. Uh, I think you you really like it became that because of what you did with Philippe, and I, I promise I'm not just saying that. Like anyone else who objectively watched the show would also agree. Like, um it was just such charisma in that character and then therefore that relationship had charisma that you know you want to you want to see wow okay where's the fireworks going to be with these two in the next couple of apps um it's you know very 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 sweet no no Um, and your check is in the post thanks (laughs) no no but it's you know it's true I knew it would work out having you on episode one (laughs) Yes. And that's the end of the podcast. Uh, and that's the end. My daughter just cut you off. <laughs> um, yeah. just, um, I, it, it's gonna. That's very, very sweet. But I, I just want to make sure that we get everything in. So, um, yeah, it yeah. would be remiss of me and us to not bring up something that uh, probably wouldn't fly nowadays, or if it would, it would probably be handled in a much better way. Which is uh, Philippe's scene with Henriette, the what was deemed the rape scene. Um, Right, and I want yeah. to give a little bit of backstory to it, um, and then obviously bring you in about it. But it's that I was on paper. That's that scene that had two pages of dialogue. It was, and it was built up for me. This was the problem. What I found on season one was that things got nicknamed. Like scenes got nicknamed, like the war scene, and this got nicknamed very early on as the rape scene. And I can remember reading it, going, "There's nothing raping. There's no rape happening here. It's it's because it was written in a beautiful." way hmm. and talking about things getting lost in subtext and and you know and and the translation being maybe lost with crew and editing and but that was a really horrific day for me and uh noemi who played Henriette, because we ended up doing an improv of it and they filmed it but the improv was silent and it was unbelievably painful for me to be able to yeah, but both of us, we don't even we don't know each other about seven or eight days, and yeah. the scene itself is incredibly problematic. But 
also of its time. So I'm not backing up anything, but I'm saying that Philippe would have had sex with uh, uh, Henriette because he needs to have his um, the, the bloodline continue. But it's it was just the way that it was shot and the way that it was edited and the way that it was done, I think, right now would never have happened because we didn't have, um, what are they called? Uh, intimacy coordinators. Inti intimacy coordinators. We didn't have them at all. You know, so just none. even looking at that scene, none of that would have gone down the way it did on that day or even in the edit because it was a sort of miss. When I look at that, I watched the scene yesterday and I find it really, really uncomfortable to watch because yeah. I can see the cuts in it and I can see where it's gone from the improv scene where there's no dialogue to a little bit of script. I can just see it's a mismatch of kind of not what David or Simon ever intended. What, what, yeah. how is it, how you have in, you know, in, in the entire show, you have the most sex scenes, some of them are beautifully done. Some of them are visceral, some of them are political, you know, Louis's motivation for the, how do you find it now looking back at those things? Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite uncomfortable. Um, particularly as I think, I don't know, you know, like, if anyone were to meet me, you you would never assume that George would sign up to do a show where he was doing like four sex scenes an episode. Do you, I, do you know what I mean? Like anyone who has met George, you'd be like, he's doing what? Um, and so you know when you sign on to a job like that, you you I, I I think you kind of like in some ways block it out, or you don't block it out. You just think, well, that won't be what I think it will be when we come to do it. Or yeah. there's a there's a better way of doing it than how you're envisaging of doing it. Or like you said for your scene, that example, you read it on the page and you go, "Great, this is really nuanced. This is yeah. beautiful. It's well, not also, going it was, to be bastardized in pu purposeful to push the character on." Do you know what I mean? It was it was exactly it, yeah. It, it felt wasn't that gratuitous. It was much needed there was to some, explain some story. narrative driven. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, I, cards on the table. A lot of mine were really um, negligible in terms of like how much they were driving the narrative for. I mean, I, some of them, yeah, but then it comes to the way they were shot and the way, mm. and you go, mm, well, this isn't really about narrative, is it? And, yeah. you know, as as young actors, you're not, you're not in control of that. You, you've just stepped onto a huge set. You're not about to stop filming days to make sure that thing and and you know like you mentioned we were in a time 10 years ago when we were four or five years before me too had happened and I, it's not excusing it in any no, way it's, it's just um it's just like it's like you said such a, a wildly different perspective that we have as a would, community also, in the entertainment industry now on those kinds of things i would really um, want to bring up as well the fact that i don't think i'd be cast as philippe now as a straight male I don't think I would. Of course. I, I, yeah, I'd not even thought you know, of. Yeah, yeah, you're. I don't I mean, think I don't think I'd be I even considered that. for yeah. it at all. You know, because of because of how yeah. wonderful stuff like Russell T. Davis is. Um, uh, what's it called? It's, it's a, a sin. It's a sin yeah. and stuff like that. Have a casting all um, you know LGBTQ plus actors for their specific roles and how yeah. the industry has massively changed so much for the better in that regards. I think it's wonderful. But yeah, yeah. I don't. If if Asai was made now. I probably wouldn't even be seen for Philippe, let alone, you know, be considered... That's uh, such a good know. point. Um, yeah. And the same for Evan. You know, both of us very straight. Yeah. You know, both of us, you know, in long-term relationships. It's it's not... At the time, we were both in very long-term relationships when we arrived. So it, it's... 
you know, it's it's just how quickly these things changes, these things change within the industry and how perspective changes, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think, yeah, that's so fascinating that you bring that up. It's, um, but yeah, I, th- I think definitely, you know, I, there are lots of things that I did in that first block with Jalil that never made the cut. Mm. So that should tell you. I mean, there are some things that like, that are very similar to how you describe um, your your sequence with, with Nomi. Um, yeah. That I had with a few actresses and, and it was left out of the edit and I'm sure I know why it was left out of the edit because it, it's just too much. And, yeah. um, you know, uh, you, it, it's, it is, it's traumatizing, you know, because especially as a young actor, when you don't have this new kind of framework of having intimacy coordinators, you, you know, you said you improved it. That's literally, you know, what, um, sex scenes what people expected of sex scenes they expected actors to come into their work environment and people just go go on then yeah. and um i i from day one I, I'm, and i hope a lot of the wonderful actors and actresses that worked opposite would agree with me here god help me if they don't agree with me but like i, I think they would all say that me and them uh, we we would make it choreography like yeah that's what I, it had to become I so we, we became very so yeah. but it sounds like yours didn't have the opportunity for whatever well, reason it was, you know it was like so early on and i also you know i remember coming around the, this is a really i, I can remember coming we shot the improv scene noemi started to cry because it was just wasn't what we'd rehearsed it just became it kind of went out of our control very very quickly and i remember running coming around the corner of those you know plywood sets in brie yeah. and finding antimopolis a female producer and Simon Mirren yeah. sat, sat on those chairs at Video Village and I screamed at them. Wow. I was in a, and I it was like, how fucking dare you do this to me and to her? She, yes, you have a lead actress in there crying because you have not managed and looked after her or me. And I said, don't you dare fucking ask me to do that again. And I was, I was livid with yeah. them. And I think it was, and, and I think I surprised them because I don't think they expected to see me. I came bounding around the corner like Roadrunner. I was like, meep, meep. And then I was like, screaming in their faces. And, I, and then I remember catching myself, thinking, oh, I'm going to get fired. I've just screamed mm. at two, you know, huge producers. Oh, but no, but that's, but that's the yeah. thing, isn't it? That's the, that, was the, that was exactly the trouble that everyone had. And has had, and still continues to have, unfortunately. You know, but that's why Me Too became this thing. It's not. It, it was. It was. Yeah, it was just. A, you know, some people. I think some people definitely. Uh, maybe uh, use the excuse of us being in France, which I thought was also bullshit. You know, oh, think... the French liberté and all this, and you were like, well, I don't think this should be the feeling that I feel on any set. You know. Yeah, I think it happens on sets in any country to be i mean, sure. I mean i would be the first person to be like yeah french <laughs> they're like <laughs> really filthy um yeah. but uh i think it happens in any country and i think it this is this thing that like I, and i i can imagine the producers sat i wasn't there but like how you describe it i can kind of imagine that i, I go yeah i can imagine that being the case that seeing them sat there at the monitors because um there's this thing i think with actors where uh, like yeah, and you must have it now as a director where you're like, well, you're an actor, you've read the script. Um, this is part, 
but but unless you're in it as an actor you experience that right as an actor where you go i'm existing as this character and then suddenly you have to do something like oh totally. i don't know ride a horse or like you have totally. to do a particular scene of dialogue that to anyone else doesn't seem like a big deal um but when you come to do it it's a massive deal and i think a lot of the time like so many times i've had people who aren't in our industry be like well you did x so why would you have a problem with doing y mm. and it's like well i i because because y is a completely different thing to to x well it's all acting in it no no it's not yeah. and i'm sure like you can get to a place as a producer where you're sat looking at the monitor just you know being caught off guard by that just not recognizing like oh gee like what what position have we put these well, you know the, the, in? also in terms of people who don't understand video village is where the monitors are set place where they're kind of not on set there are like two rooms down around the corners where all the makeup people sit and basically they're two big tvs which is what the cameras are filming but they're not yeah. on set with you so they're almost they're a couple of meters i would say sometimes five ten meters away from you and they're usually behind a door and cut you know so it is a you know they there's a disengagement from yeah. what they're seeing on the camera for how the mood and the atmosphere is on set. Yeah, so I've yeah. seen stuff on video Absolutely. on video village and gone around the corner and walked into a completely different atmosphere from what I'm seeing. You know the camera does lie or you know shows you only part of the problem or part of the scene. So that I yeah. think I did surprise them because I don't think they saw anything of how me and Noemi were apart from when we stepped into frame. But obviously we're trying to be professionals, you know. But um. Anyway, listen, yeah. I don't want to go further onto this because I want to kind of end on something that I think is what was the thing that really brought people back to continue watching the show, which was the cliffhanger. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, the, and do you remember it being an animatronic baby that they, that they made? Yeah. Do you remember it? With the, all the leads yeah. and the cables, with the hands, because they wanted the hand to reach out to you. Do you remember they, they made a baby? I... They made a robot baby. They certainly did. Um, <laughs> Talk to me about, because that was weirdly the first week of filming was the last scenes of episode one, wasn't it? That was all yeah. Mays on the Feet, Elisa. Um, and also, I've written, and you're going to laugh at this. Oh, no. I've written, can we talk about your moustache? Please, no. <laughs> when your, <laughs> your moustache. That goddamn moustache. You just kept, cha it changed, right? Between episode one and two, to, to before, before Christoph, you snipped off a little bit in the end didn't it it was a bit too long wasn't it i think it was i think i think everyone needed to say it and i think christoph did they were like all we're looking at is that mustache dude like mm. let's 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 get, <laughs> let's get <laughs> it was, bless matilde our head of makeup um yeah it was like you know, a, uh, a, a work of art and we she'd spend 20 minutes alone every morning just bzz, bzz, taking that little hair off there or that and just trying to make it perfect but um <laughs> It became a bit of a thing, so we had to. It just became a very that, big thing. But yeah. um, so uh, you're talking yeah, to me about the very first week of filming, and you're with Elisa, and you know we get the scripts through, Black Baby, like just yeah. How is how did that whole thing feel for you? As you know, can I get George? out of this contract, agent? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Oh, no, but that, you're right. Like that first week was so bonkers. Like we we were doing the end of ep one, and it was suddenly like, hang on a minute, I'm I'm like having a black baby on, on being born. <laughs> it was it was just it was, uh, yeah, very dynamic. I think mm. is the right word yeah. to use that first week. I remember um, David David Walsencroft really, really, and thinking the reader was really saying, but almost um, like backing up the script, like. 
this is true. This is true, everyone. And I was, we were like, no, no, no we, we get it. It's still doesn't take away from the fact that it's fucking absurd. <laughs> yeah, it's you completely know? Like, bonkers. Um, yeah. yeah. I, uh, that was crazy, that first week. I, I don't think the birth was the first... I think there's a scene mid-ep one where Marie-Therese is sewing, knitting. What's it called? Yes. When yeah, you yeah, basket knitting. weave? No. Yeah, basket, well, weaving. <laughs> yeah, and I, I come in with the Doctor, yes. played by Peter. Uh, Claudine's father uncle yes anyway um that was the first scene we shot i think of the entire show on that monday and there were like 30 people around the monitor video village oh, this was going to wow. be like the first they just green lit this show about louis the 14th and they wanted to see louis the 14th on a screen do you know what i mean yeah and the video village was underneath a portrait hanging on the wall in Maison louis Lafitte the 14th on the in first Maison floor Lafitte, i remember that and i i was like I was stood, they were rolling up for the first shot of the first, the first take of the first shot of the whole show, and there were like thirty execs all in their raincoats, huddled under this video village, looking at these two screens, and above them was a portrait of Louis. And I just remember thinking, like, what the hell have I done? And they shouted action, and I had to walk into the room next door. Um, but so that whole Mise on Lafitte first week was bonkers for that. But um, yeah. but that whole birth sequence was weird but it kind of it was fitting in that we were taking such an absurd part of their world and filming it first like it was like okay we're very much not in the 21st century we've got yeah. like a throne where the king watches the birth of his child <laughs> like at the foot of the bed it felt like oh yeah we're we're shooting a sequence that feels very alien yeah. to like the people who are going to be watching this show that yeah. feels cool but yeah, I mean bonkers. I don't think we used the animatronic baby in the end, or if we, I, I, think I can't. Do, I think, I think at the end it moves, it, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. I think, it, or even yeah. the opening shot of episode two, which obviously oh, yeah. leads me very much to the very end of this episode of podcast. But before I let you go, George Blackton, thank you for coming on to the show. I think thank you, you have done kind of wonderfully, really. Not that you, not that I ever doubted that you that you wouldn't do wonderfully. Um, and I have a proposal for you. It's just landed on me right now, like popped into my head, like uh -oh. one of these great ideas that I've had. Um, I can't do this alone, N not not to take away from my my mini pocket bon ton, Daniel John, pressing all the magic buttons behind the scenes. Um, Lovely, Daniel. Do you want to be my co-host? Uh, <laughs> of course I do. What? I mean, yeah. Great. That would be amazing. Fantastic. Right, the contract's in the post, mate. I, re I actually said yes. I, be <laughs> I believe that you would say yes. There we go. There's a scoop for everyone. We're going to co-host this series. We're going to co-host this um, series. The brothers okay. are going to co-host conversations going forward. How's that? You don't know what you've let yourself in for. Like, <laughs> you're talking to me or talking to the audience? <laughs> Both. <laughs> um, oh, mate, that's God. thrilling. Well, let's I'm do it together, so yeah. Let's do it. Great um, course. A little but, trip down memory lane. A little trip down memory lane together. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? But um, to actually properly, properly, properly end, I actually have come up with a game. Um, and oh, okay. it's a game that you will must play uh, in order to survive a day in Versailles. Can George Blagden, not Louis the Fourteenth, can George Blagden survive a day in Versailles? No. The game is called... <laughs> <laughs> the game is called Do You Have My Back? Who is trustworthy Ooh. and who is not? Who will poison you, or who will backstab you? 
I'm going to show. I'm going to introduce five characters from the show. Uh, the oh. higher the character, going to be super untrustworthy. So we're saying like they're a ten, and the lower meaning that you can bet your life that they'll have your back, and you have to navigate yourself through Versailles. And remember, this is not Louis the Fourteenth. This is George. George okay. Blackson. This is George. So we're going to start Yikes. off in a very, I would say, comfortable place. We're going to start off with Colbert. You've just met Colbert. Where would you put him on that scale, George? I'd say Colbert is a solid two. Really? Maybe I, a three. I, I agree with you. I think he's a two. I think he's a really lovely two. <laughs> um, like, okay. I think the viewers probably get a, a, like a one from him for, for the majority of the show, but I'm telling you he's more a two or a three. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Okay, so you've bumped into Colbert. Okay. Um, are you going to go... What do you think, higher or lower in terms of more trustworthy or less trustworthy? And who's the next person you're going to meet? Um, so the next person who's coming is, well, yeah, well, what do you think? Or higher or lower. It's, it's going to be higher. The next person is going to be more untrustworthy than... Yeah, Colbert, so the next sure. person you've met is the Chevalier de Lorraine. No, oh, please. <laughs> Jesus. Where is he at in your, where's he at in your one to ten scale of, uh, of trustworthy or untrustworthy? Because obviously uh, I'll have a very different opinion to you. I don't think you should, though. <laughs> um, oh, but this is not Louis, is it? It's George. It's not Louis. It's George. Uh, well, maybe I don't know. Maybe George could trust the ship. Mm, no, uh, <laughs> he, he's got to be above an eight. I, I maybe a nine. Okay, the, wow. Maybe we're going. Might... We're in. We're in the stratosphere of untrustworthiness. No, no, because I, I mean, like, no, let's, no, 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 let's call no, it spade no. a spade. You know, sorry, Evan, <laughs> but like, you know, especially for, if George happened to wander in, you okay. would. You would eat him up. So you've done Colbert, you've bumped into the Chevalier, you've so far navigated yourself pretty well down the corridor of Versailles. Um, but the next person you bump into is Fabien Marchal. Higher or lower than the Chevalier? L lower. Yeah? Trustworthy. Yeah. 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 Mm. <laughs> I think, I think, I think so. He would yeah. see the honourable, honourable sort of slightly nerdy and weedy characteristics of George and, and take him under his wing. I think that'd be fine. Fantastic. Great. me and him would get on. So, but the, now the next person that you see is Beatrice, played by the wonderful Amira Kazar. Yes. Where are you putting her on your scale of That's hard. Mainly because you might stumble into her and Fabian, you know, you'll... you'll they're uh, on the corner, giving the, the necky nucky. Yeah. Uh, but she's probably more untrustworthy than Fabian. I would say so. So more Fabian. untrustworthy. Yes, yeah, so you're going to go. Yeah, more untrustworthy. So okay, so George Blackton, for the yeah. win, you have bumped yeah. into Colbert. You have navigated the Chevalier. You have stumbled upon Fabian and just you know casually said hello to Beatrice. And the last person you've seen is Louis the Fourteenth himself. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> Oh no. Higher or lower um, than Beatrice. Yeah. That's tricky. I'm gonna go more untrustworthy than Beatrice, and this is as George, remember. Yeah. So no one can trust that that guy. No one. He's a psycho. Give him a round of applause, ladies no and gentlemen. Way. George Blagden has safely and comfortably 
survived a day in Versailles. Someone out there does have your back. And thank you so, so much for joining me on episode one. But thank you for agreeing to be my co-host going forward. I can't wait. Thank you so much for asking me to do this. This is amazing. It's, um, yeah. I can't wait. Should we say uh, farewell? Let's do it. Au revoir. Au revoir. Very good. Mm -hmm.